Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Andrew, and I've been given the opportunity to share a message with you this morning. Um, before I start this morning, I'd just like to open in prayer. <clears throat> Father God, thank you for this opportunity to share your message here this morning. I ask for your words to be received and for those words to impact those that you want to impact this morning. Thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. This morning I'd like to talk to you about one of the most well-known characters of the Old Testament. I'd like to journey through the life of Moses. I'm just going to explore the first three books of Exodus this morning, so um, bear with me. In Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, it says that Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. Half his luck. Um, let's start at the beginning. As we, meet, as we meet Moses in the book of Exodus, and I just want to highlight a few of the pivotal moments of, of his life which are recorded in the first half of the book. See, Moses was born during a time of great suffering and great sadness when, as we, we read in Exodus chapter 1, that the Israelite people were outnumbering the Egyptians and becoming stronger. The king, the king of the day uh, was concerned that the Israelite people would turn against him and his kingdom if a war broke out. So he came up with a pretty gruesome way of controlling the population. He ordered the midwives to throw any newborn Hebrew boys into, in, into the Nile River to be drowned. You'd have to agree that's a pretty drastic way to control the population. We read in Exodus chapter 2 that Moses' mum and dad got married, had a baby and hid him for three months. And once he was too big to hide, his mother put him into a basket and placed him on the Nile River. Luckily, Pharaoh's daughter discovered the baby and, adop- and adopted him, giving him the name Moses, which quite li- literally means to pull out or to draw out of water. Um, we read that Pharaoh's daughter raised Moses in the palace. He was raised as a prince and given all the royal luxuries of life in the palace. See, Moses... Grew, grew to be an adult, but he wasn't happy about the way the Israelite people were being treated so harshly. During a visit to the worksite, he saw one of the Egyptians beating one of the Hebrew men. So he intervened and he killed the Egyptian and buried the body in the sand. Thinking he had got away with murder, he went back to the worksite the next day. When he saw two men fighting, he went to break it up. One of the men told him that he knew what he had done the day before. And Moses, as you could imagine, freaked out, thinking that everyone had known that he had killed an Egyptian in Egypt. So with that knowledge, he fled. He fled to Midian um, as the king of Egypt wanted to kill him for what he had done. We read in Exodus 2 that Moses sat down by a well. He helped some of the local girls draw water for their flocks of sheep. But he didn't know that these girls were the daughters 
of the Midian priests, Midian priest. But when they got home, they told their father what had happened. And he insisted that the girls go back and invite Moses over for a meal. In verse 21, it reads that Moses accepted the invitation and he settled there with them. Then it says, in time, Ruel, the Median priest, gave Moses his daughter Zephora to be his wife. And Moses and Zephora had a baby and got on their everyday life. I mean, one day Moses was tending the sheep of his father-in-law and he led the sheep far into the wilderness, coming to a place called Sinai, the mountain of God. I just want to recap just a little bit, just for a minute, just to highlight some points. Moses was born when he should have been drowned. He was raised in the palace of the same king that ordered he be drowned. He killed an Egyptian, hid the body, thought he had got away with murder, but was found out and ran away. When he was on the run, he helped some of the local girls water the flocks of their sheep. Water their flocks, sorry. He was invited for a meal and, and simply moved in. He was given a wife, had a child, and is now tending a flock of sheep in the middle of nowhere. I mean, to be honest, nothing overly righteous about life so far, you'd have to agree. So why? Why is Moses one of the most prominent figures in the Old Testament? What makes him so different to all the other people that were living back in his day? We find out as we read in chapter 3 of Exodus. So as we have already read, Moses was tending a flock of sheep which he led far into the wilderness. And then we read from verse 2, it says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. I mean, who wouldn't want to go see it? I mean, a bush that is on fire, flames going everywhere, but it's not burning up. Can you imagine if that was the case today? I think most of us would freak out. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. And can you imagine, you're out in the middle of the wilderness, a bush is on fire, but not burning up, and now... He calls you by your name. And Moses replies with what I can only imagine out of pure shock and amazement. Here I am. I mean, what else would you say? What, what else could you say? We read on, it says, Do not come any closer. The Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. And then God introduces himself to Moses. I mean, if a burning bush calling your name doesn't get your attention, then I don't know what else God would have to do. God tells Moses that he has heard the cries of the Israelite people and that he is aware of their suffering. We read, it says, So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now, God told Moses he has come down to rescue them. 
But this is the kicker. Then God says to Moses, you, yep, you, you are going to be the one to rescue them. You are going to be the one that confronts Pharaoh and demand that he lets the people go from slavery. Can you imagine what you would be feeling? A burning bush calls your name. From that burning bush, God reveals who he is. And then God himself tells you that he has heard, that he has come down from heaven to bring these people out of slavery. And all of that sounds absolutely amazing and, and you can't wait to see God in action against Pharaoh. He's sort of rubbing your hands together just waiting. But then God drops a massive bombshell. He says to Moses, I am sending you to do the work. Now, once Moses picked his jaw up off the ground, he asked God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Let's just go back to those two questions. Question number one. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I guess you could say some pretty fairly normal questions given his life to this point. Remember that Moses is a murderer. Not only that, legally speaking, he's still on the run. And now he's wandered far into the wilderness and is lost with his father-in-law's flock of sheep. I believe that God didn't answer those questions as he wanted Moses to take the focus away from himself, to place his focus on where it should have been, on God. See, I'm not wearing your shoes, so I can only speak for myself. But I believe I have so much in common with Moses. I mean, for example, when God placed something on my heart to share, I asked God, who am I? Who, who am I that, to share this? Who am I that people are going to want, want to listen to what I've got to say? At times, we all feel inadequate in one way or another. We question ourselves over things like, am I tall enough? Do I have the right coloured skin? Are my eyes too close together? Is my nose too big? Did I go to the right school? Um, you know, my, my job is not very good. I don't even have a job. You know, I'm too old, I'm too young. The list goes on and on. But like Moses, I had to learn to take the focus away from who I am, or should I say who I wasn't, and put my focus on who God is. You might have noticed in reading the scriptures that God didn't answer these questions. He simply says, I will be with you. Now we read that Moses continues to protest and says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Did you notice that Moses, he still doesn't quite get it. He says to God, if, if I go to the people, like he's got a choice, if I go to the people, which is, I, think, I think may have upset God, as uh, God responds with such simplicity and such authority that Moses dare not waver anymore. God replies, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I mean, who could possibly argue with the authority of that response? I am who I am. 
God stated I am, which quite simply means I have no equal. Moses' life was changed forever from the moment he saw that burning bush. God called him by his name, gave him a purpose and a direction. God had revealed to Moses, had revealed himself to Moses, revealing his authority, and then Moses, through the power and authority of God, brought the Israelite people out of slavery. I mean, obviously those that have read the Bible know that there's many more pages to this awesome chapter, to the story of Moses. You know, the, the effect that that encounter with God through a burning bush had not only on Moses' life, but on the lives of millions of people. See, today we have the luxury of looking back on moments like these to identify pivotal junctions, junctions, which I believe is coined the phrase we sometimes hear as a burning bush moment in our lives. A moment in time that completely changes the direction we were heading and changes our lives forever. Let's just quickly go back and look at some of the burning bush moments we've covered so far in the life of Moses. Like I said, he's been born during a time when the king ordered all male babies be drowned in the river, yet his life was saved. Growing up in the same palace as the king, he ordered the drowning. A simple act of kindness to some of the local girls ended up with an invitation to dine with and, and then live with and eventually marry one of the girls that he helped out. Seeing a burning bush and being drawn to it. God revealing himself and then tasking Moses with the salvation of over two million people. Like I said, we, we know there are many more burning bush moments in the life of Moses. We, we all know about the ten plagues, the eventual exodus from slavery, the ten commandments on Mount Sinai, and the parting of the Red Sea, and the list goes on. But this morning, I want to ask you, what are your burning bush moments? What are the moments in your life that changed where you were headed? I mean, we, we all have them. Some are great moments that when you reflect on them, they immediately bring a smile to your face. While others are not so great. Some might be quite the opposite and bring a tear to your eye, a sense of shame or fear. Yet, they were the catalyst for God's change of direction in your life. In your life. For me, as I have shared previously, I haven't always been a Christian. Before coming to the Lord, I had a very limited understanding of life outside of what I could get out of it. I could never understand why you'd want to go to church. Why would you want to give up your sleepings on a Sunday? Why would you want to go to church and be told you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that? See, these were my preconceived ideas of church pretty much thanks to the TV, and not really understanding what church was all about. To be honest, I never really wanted to understand, which looking back was pretty, pretty poor. That was until I had a Ben Bush moment of my own. Looking back now, I can see a lot of flickering candle moments in my life that I simply wasn't aware of at the time. Moments when God was trying to start a fire in me, but I wasn't ready. 
It wasn't until I hit rock bottom. A time I was going through a, a divorce. I was lonely. I was broke. I mean, I was so broke, I couldn't even afford to feed myself. I became extremely depressed in a time when I was thinking that nobody would even notice if I wasn't around. Nobody would care if I wasn't here. I was, disjoint <coughs> I was disjointed from my family and I felt like I had nothing to live for. Pretty rock bottom sort of stuff. But then a burning bush came into my world. I was invited by a workmate who was very open about her faith. I mean, I, I knew that she went to church. So she, she invited me to attend a connect group at one of our local primary schools. And she introduced me to Jesus. You see, there was a slow flicking of flame that was deep down inside of me. And the Jesus that I started to read about and the Jesus that my workmate shared with me about was giving me life. I mean, for, <clears throat> for me, it wasn't a sudden awakening like what you hear some people talk about. It wasn't like a, a bolt of lightning that struck me, but it did change my outlook and I started living. It was about six weeks later during a church service when I had a, a Bernie Bush moment. There was a presentation in the church about a recent ministry trip that that church had gone, just come back from. Uh, where they went to Fiji and built houses for the local Fijians. Something inside of me changed and I knew I needed to be on the next trip. Like Moses, when he saw that burning bush, my life was changed from the moment I saw that presentation. Something inside of me had said, this is amazing, I must go and see it. See, inside I knew that if I took my eyes off of my situation, and focused it on helping others, my issues, my struggles, my self-doubts, and my lack of purpose would become irrelevant. Long story short, I was on the next trip to Fiji, where as a team, we built houses, two houses for the locals in six days. We were able to help others, and that is something that would stick with me for the rest of my days. I mean, that is just one of the many Bernie Bush moments that I have encountered since that church presentation. The fact that I'm standing here before you this morning sharing this word is a result of another Bernie Bush moment in my life. You see, I fell in love with Jesus. And during that trip away, I fell in love with helping other people. I do have to just backtrack just a little bit. Um, that workmate that shared her faith advised, and invited me to that connect group and sitting just down there. <laughs> she shares my last name and together we share a wonderfully blessed life, giving thanks every morning to that changes, for the changes in, not only in my life but in our lives. <clears throat> Another Bernie Bush moment I'd like to quickly share is walking into this church and building a relationship with Pastor Rick and his wife, Robin. For those of us that are fortunate enough to have met Pastor Rick, 
you would understand he was the sort of bloke that you, you felt like he knew your entire life after just meeting him for a very short time. I love the opportunity to spend time with him and I love serving in this house in any way that I could. Sometime later, we were asked to become leaders in this church and that is why I'm standing before you this morning sharing this word with you. The point I'm trying to make is that we all have burning bush moments in our lives and we are all, in one way or another, going to ask the same questions that Moses asked of God. But if you look back at the scriptures of how God responded to Moses, God answered, I will be with you. And then, to take away any further doubts, he replies, I am who I am. So God responded like this because he wants you to know that no matter what you've done, no matter what you're running from, no matter what you're going through, no matter how deep a hole you are in right now, there is a light, a light that starts as the smallest flickering candle. But the closer you get to it, the brighter it burns. It's not like any fire you've ever seen before. This is a fire that burns without ever going out. And from this fire, God, like he did for Moses, will call you by your name and reveal to you that he has no limits and he has no equal. If you let God guide you and direct you, you can, sorry, you will change the direction of your life and the lives of those around you. For God says, I will be with you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that just like Moses, no matter what we have done, no matter where we are, you are with us. Thank you that no sin we have ever committed is too great to be, to be forgiven by you. Thank you that as we come to you and lay, that, and lay those sins at your feet, you immediately forgive us and bring healing and restoration through the precious blood shed by our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the moments in our lives that have changed as we look towards you. We thank you for this family of believers. Thank you, Father, for all you have done in our lives. We pray that you will open our hearts to helping those around us. And we thank you for the opportunity to share your word and your love to others. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 